0: Hi, folks. I'm Mike Gaswitz, and welcome to another. I would call it a special episode of In Focus. We're live with you or with you here in video format. And uh, I'm joined by uh, Joel Baker, again, our Chief Investment Officer. Hi, Joel. Good morning, Mike. Great to have you here. Uh, folks, you may recall a few weeks back, we had a great conversation with uh, Candace Fitch, and uh, we were talking about bonds versus GICs. And Candace did a great job in terms of articulating the differences. And also articulating what we were seeing in the bond market today. Uh, mm-hmm. Fast forward a couple of weeks, and uh, Joel and I found ourselves in front of uh, in front of uh, one of our partner accounting firms. and Joel put up a, a great illustration of uh, of of a phenomenon we're seeing in the markets today. and uh, and then after that session, after great feedback, Joel and I stared at each other and said, this would be great for clients to see. And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, Joel was, is, is basically gonna, gonna step through, uh, again, what we're seeing in the bond market and how we can leverage that into your portfolio. So Joel, why don't I turn it over to you? Why don't you, uh, uh, chat about, uh what we're talking yeah. about here.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mike, and thanks for the opportunity today. So, so yeah, it, it just to back up one step, we are really seeing a very volatile and active bond market, and it really boils down to interest rates going up and the central bankers sort of aggressively raising rates and all of that to sort of fight inflation. And at the end of the day, no one really seems to know where our interest rate policy should be so they're sitting on the sidelines. It really is that simple. So so to your point, I, I have a visual here that I'll call up, Mike, I think it's easier to sort of show you than to talk Absolutely. to it. So that's what we'll do here right now. So, right. so yeah, as I walk through this exercise, maybe I'll just take a second and and, and talk about the bond market in, in one aspect. And so from a from a bond buyer's perspective, there's really two reasons that we buy bonds as investors. One is to earn interest income as form of these coupon payments, and that's, that's basically to pay bills and put food on the table and pay hydro bills and things like that, more from a cash flow perspective. But the other angle that we buy bonds is from a capital preservation perspective. So so the anchor in the portfolio, if you will. And this particular strategy, Mike, is more on the ladder. So it's more a case of looking at bonds as buying them from a yield to maturity perspective as opposed to a cash flow perspective. And that's kind of key in the strategy. But we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. Okay. So the illustration, we just tried to keep it simple. And we picked four names here that we thought folks would recognize. Uh, they're they financial companies that they're banks, if you will, and big strong kind of companies that that we think sort of fit the bill for this particular strategy. And the next column there shows the coupon rate and sort of the the key point in this strategy, Mike, is that we're sort of targeting bonds that were issued in this ultra low interest rate environment that we just went through here in Canada. And these bonds were basically issued in call it the last five years, so you can right. sort of see the coupons being a low coupon sort of sort of a example. Um, TD Bank, I was just sort of honing on that one, one point one two eight percent. So pretty low coupon, no doubt about it.
0: Compared to the markets today,
1: right? The markets today, it could be sort of five percent. You know, throw in an inflation factor of whichever you want to use, but say it's seven percent, and and these right. bonds don't look real exciting. And that's right. that's part of key to the strategy. So exactly right. And again, to keep things simple, we're just looking at bonds out two to three years. Again, the strategy still could could be used, you know, going out further in terms of a time horizon, but we're just trying to keep it simple. So so call it two to three year bonds, we're just sort of using as our illustration here. And the first sort of key point here is is that first column. In terms of quality, these are top notch -notch names. DBRS just stands for Dominion Bond Rating Service. That's our key bond rating um, issuer um, here in Canada. The federal government, to give an example, might could be AAA. So sure. It kind of just puts in context here. These are rock solid companies that you know we don't think they're ever going to disappear, let alone within the next few years. So you're buying some, some really high quality kinds of bonds in this strategy. And again, that's key to, to, to this thing working.
0: And let's be clear. Really, the only risk uh, a person takes in, in purchasing one of these bonds is will the entity pay you back? Will they, you know, basically uh, at maturity, will you get the money back? Correct. And that's what the, these rating services do is basically evaluate.
1: Yeah. What's Correct. what's the credit worthiness of these organizations? Credit quality of the bond you're buying. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah, exactly right. So top-notch quality for sure. The next column here is really the key to the strategy. So what we're sort of seeing here is the prices of those bonds being volatile. And so I'll go back to my comment there of a couple minutes ago, Mike, where this low coupon sort of bond isn't real enticing to those people that would rather buy a bond saying, paying four or 5%, like I said, throw in some inflation and buying a 1.128% bond to use that TD Bank example, isn't real exciting. So investors have sort of sat on the sideline, they've sort of you know penalized these low coupon bonds and, and the pricing has become pretty volatile. And again, to put that in perspective, usually we don't see that sort of volatility in prices of these quality of bonds. Usually, we see it in names like a a Bombardier or a Stelco or or an Air Canada. And and not that those names are are bad names or bad companies, but they're very cyclical companies. And that's usually where we see the volatility. But to kind of put this in context, we're buying rock solid bank kind of names for basically $90 on the 100. So again, to put that in layman terms of investors, we could buy a $10,000 bond of face value for basically $9,000. So, so pretty key in terms of buying items on sale here. Right.
0: And so just for clarity, this price is for a $100 uh, face value, Correct. Right? Correct. For a bond. Yeah. And again, for people to understand, this is, you know, there is a, a, a market bonds are liquid. You can mm-hmm. trade them. It's a, either a desk or a market. You, you know, the term better than I do. And mm-hmm. so if you have one of these bonds that has a poor coupon rate, this is this is what it would be going for out on the market. And by the way, this is also what would be reflected if you held one of these bonds on your statement, we would reflect that market value. correct. and And that, you know, back to Candace's conversation, that can cause some concern, obviously on the parts of of clients, but it's important to understand that's only the market value if you sold it today. If you hold it to maturity, you're going to get back the 100 or the $1,000, uh, the the, uh, the the face value of the bond.
1: Yeah, that's well said, Mike, for sure. Yeah, that's a key point in this strategy as well. So and if a client buys, and I'll just use a $10,000 number, if they buy a $10,000 face value kind of bond, they're going to get $10,000 back. So the fact you're buying it today for $9,000, it's got to start working its way back towards that 10000 in a relatively short time frame. And so let's just keep that in context. If let's just say the, the central bankers continue to raise rates or or we were wrong and they they raise the rates three more times instead of two times, as the analysts think, at the end of the day, it's got to work its way back to face value in a relatively short term. So it kind of removes that risk away in terms of the longer bonds would present themselves. Right. Yep, exactly. Now the key to those bonds being sold at the discount is sort of seen in the next column. So back to my comment there before of investors buying these bonds, they're more worried about the yield angle. So these bonds are are earning a five percent yield to maturity, which is which is right in line with what the current bond market is paying. So again, again,
0: oh sorry, go ahead, Joe.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say we could probably sneak that up to be more towards five point five percent if we wanted to go out in term, or even if we wanted to go down in quality. But at the end of the day, we're buying these rock solid sort of companies and earning five percent in terms of a yield to maturity.
0: Right. And again, just just terminology for folks who didn't listen to the last episode: yield is is different than the coupon rate. You take the coupon rate and instead of dividing by the the face value of the bond, you actually divide by the price. Correct? Have I got that right?
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next. The next column here, it gets in sort of interesting, but it's a little bit in the weeds, but I'll explain it. And, and so the interesting part about buying these discounted bonds is the capital gains component. So again, I'll just use the very bottom one to use a simple visual, the National Bank bond at 1.57%. If we sort of walk across the lines there, we're earning a 5.1% yield to maturity on the bond purchase. But of that 5.1%, 3.5% of that is capital gains. So again, to put that in perspective, about 70% of that particular bond is a capital gain component. Now, again, back to layman's terms, that the downfall to buying bonds is interest income, unfortunately, here in Canada, is our highest taxable form of income. The capital gains component is the opposite. It's, a, it's one of our most tax-efficient forms of income. So the fact that we're buying them at this $9,000 for the $10,000 face value on the price level perspective we're not only changing interest income into capital gains income, but we're also deferring it until the bond matures. So it's almost like a win 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 situation where we're buying rock solid quality, we're getting a decent yield to maturity, we're turning it into capital gains, and we're deferring paying the tax. Perfect. So it's a win 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 for the clients. Now to realize
0: this, though, uh, the client, talk about what the client has to do in order to realize these kinds of uh, numbers.
1: Yeah. So the, so the to, to kind of you know walk that through, they basically have to hold that bond to maturity right. to earn that full to, to earn that full benefit of the of the tax deferral. But to your point of a minute ago, the beauty of this is that these things trade every day. So if someone was sitting on a cash balance, for example, or sitting sitting on a corporate account with some cash in the in the in the bank account, this is something that they could do. And should they change their mind a year from now, they could always sell the bond and you still benefit from some of the some of these benefits no doubt about it but it's not like a gic where you'd have to lock in your money for two or three year terms right so the beauty of that is being very liquid
0: excellent yeah oh sorry go ahead yep. I no i realize
1: this is a this is kind of getting into the weeds like i said before in terms of tax numbers and not all of us understand that so the next column is really trying to take it back into that context of what does that mean to the average investor And everybody seems to understand the concept of a GIC. So, what we're trying to do here is is kind of base it back to the equivalent of an interest rate factor. So, if Mike had to buy a GIC to get him the same after tax return of this capital gains little strategy, what would that have to look like? And again, those are sort of the numbers you're looking at there, Mike. And they're basically 7%, if I can use a rounded number. Um, so to, to buy a 7% GIC, you would get the same after-tax return of buying that 1.57% national bank bond. Right. Now, again, to, to, to sort of lay in the, the context of current environment, GICs are hitting 5% now, which is great. We've been a long time since we saw a 5% GIC. Some are a little below 5%, some are a little above 5%, but 5% seems to be a pretty good average number. So that's great news, but it's still a long ways from 7 And so the whole moral of this exercise is to show the bonds are really still the better buy given this, this opportunity that we see in the bond market from this capital gains strategy. So that's a, that's a key component. And I must admit it it
0: really uh, sorry, Joel. And it it comes back, you know, and as we talked about it last time, people get fixated in the word guarantee, but you go back to your third, fourth column there, in terms of the rating, you look at those names, you really have no, you know, the risk of these guys defaulting on on their debt is pretty minimal uh, compared. And then you also, first of all, you have the advantage you're showing here and you have liquidity. You're not locked in as, as many GRCs are.
1: Yeah, correct. And it's almost a case where you've now got a, a bond strategy that typically was always in RSP accounts. You'd always want to shelter that interest income because of the taxation angle. Now you've got a A very intriguing capital gain strategy that you can buy with non-registered money, like bank accounts and like corporate accounts and things like that. So it's a very, very intriguing opportunity here we see. I must admit, in all the time I've been doing this, I've never seen this before. Like usually when the bond market sort of blows up, to use that word, the bond market's flat. Right. so so basically what you've gained in your coupon payments you've lost in your capital right. but the fact that these these discounted prices you know they go back to use the ten thousand dollar number trading at nine thousand dollars it creates a whole other opportunity here that I must admit we've never seen before on our team so it's so it's very appealing for sure excellent this is uh,
0: such a great example so so clients what do they need to do to take advantage of uh, of this situation
1: yeah just reach out and, and talk to, to both the advisor and your partner portfolio manager like we're, we're doing this all of the time and so again it's something that we can implement into the portfolios um, as, as part of the the overall strategy for sure
0: yeah right so if you already have bonds this is kind of happening as we speak as as as, as those bonds come to maturity if you have cash sitting on the sidelines so to speak keeping your powder dry is the terminology mm-hmm. great opportunity here again and if you need it it's liquid we can uh, you may not realize the same advantages we we showed we showed here but uh but it's a it's a great opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a common question we do get is, you know, how long do we have to do this? And that's, that's a realistic question. It's a little bit crystal balling. I, I don't think you have to do it tomorrow or you've missed the opportunity, but there probably is a bit of a window here, say say three months out to, to as much as six months. We're starting to sort of see some, some maybe normal um investor views of interest rates or interest rate policy. So once that fear is gone, we might see this, this window of opportunity sort of close on us, but um, we do have some time. That's, Excellent. that's key to it. So.
0: Joel, thanks so much for this. Appreciate it. Thank I, you. I love this. I love it for two reasons. One, it demonstrates the quality approach to our investing principle. You showed showed those names, they're rating absolutely, you know, high quality bonds. And then it also shows, you know, our, our, our approach to integration with, with accountants, accountants at the table. So we not only think about returns, we think about after-tax returns, we think about the tax implications, and that comes back to the accountants sitting at the table. So again, thanks, Joel, and thanks, everybody, for for watching. Uh, take
1: care. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye.